Hey everybody, welcome to My Town Hustle. Today's episode is going to be about architectural review boards. Stay tuned. Welcome to My Town Hustle, where we take an in-depth look at the people, policies, and processes that make small towns work. Focusing on trends in urbanism and creative economies, My Town Hustle explores the ideas that make our community special. So sit back and enjoy the show. Welcome, everybody. My name is Jared Perry, and uh, today we're going to be chatting about architectural review boards. Um, it is early, early in the a.m. this morning. These guys love the early mornings. I do. Man, I love it. Oh, real quick, too. It is pumpkin spice season. Right yeah. Now. yeah. I know Jared's a big, uh, Gosh, no, it's big like fan. Fall. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, I wish I had some football. Um, for those of you listening, we're in Big Ten country. Yes. And our, our hopes and dreams have been smashed, <laughs> and we've been pretty verbal about how we are not yeah. pleased. We are Ohio State Michigan fans agreeing. <laughs> <laughs> yes, <laughs> on one that thing. is a rare, <laughs> rare occasion. Um, I'm joined today with the Yoda of all things government, Brett Alfin. Hey, everybody. And obviously that was Sam Tootin of Sixmo City Services. What's going on? Uh, so... Architectural review boards. We're going to kind of dive in here. This is a this is a pretty academic topic. I think that we've got you know to lay out, but you know I want to have some hot takes in there. I'm yeah. going to try to bring some of my experience from the private sector to it, but I do want to lay the framework, you know, for the ordinances and and things like that, so that if people don't have them or people do have them, they don't know how they came to be, et cetera. We can kind of you know dive into that. So Sam, do you want to give us like a ten thousand foot view of you know the historical background, but also, you know, how they're created, at least in Ohio. Yeah. No, I, I like architectural review boards mainly because they are designed and really developed to preserve historical buildings, right? It's to... Or neighborhoods. Or neighborhoods, yeah. you know. It's, we have any of those? I think we do. Yeah. Hmm. We'll have to check it out. We, yeah. we might be in one. I don't know. Could be. Yeah, we don't. It's unsure. But, it, you know, it keeps the integrity of the character of, of these districts or of the building. So I always like it because it puts people aside. It strictly focuses really on what, you know, these buildings need to be, what they need to be for the future and so on and, and actually how to preserve them. So it's a different take. Um, Brett had said off mic too, how it relates to zoning. So it's kind of a nice little attribute to there as well mm. as, to, you know, what you can and can't do with your property. So it's another even take there, if, you know, private property rights, et cetera. It's America Jack. It's America Jack. <laughs> but it's basically, an, basically you get one, it's an ordinance, it's actually law. You know, your city would pass something that would just kind of help identify of what, uh, again, you can can and can't do, you know, whether it's uh, new additions or making alterna- uh, alterations, um, simple repairs um, to, to these buildings. A lot of times they obviously are going to follow the Secretary of Interior Standards for uh, Rehabilitation, um, mm. which is a like, good approach, um, you know, for any anything um, that has a lot of guidelines there to uh, help you along the way of what you can and can't do. They're going to be- if you're building ground up or if you're putting an addition on your house, et cetera. Absolutely. Yep. 
Um, and they're going to be, you know, these ordinates are going to be weak. They're going to be very strong. They go across the board. It all depends on what the ordinance Varies on the local says. government. And True. so this is yeah. going to relate to both residential property and commercial property, right? It's not mm-hmm. just commercial property. I would guess that yeah. most folks listening, probably when they hear architectural review board, they're thinking downtown, they're thinking of commercial properties, but it could be more than that. Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 It probably could, important to know that. That is true. It could be the home that you own and you just want to do something like symbols of fence again, back, you know, or even just paint the front or put a fence or uh, not fence, but you know, got new gutters, right? Especially if you have, um, just old style gutters, French or French. Don't even ask me. Okay. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> so, so the ARB most typically organized around a historic district. Does it have, does there have to be a historic district or can it be any area that you designate of interest and value that has historic qualities? It, to my understanding, it's any, sure. any, anyone that the municipality deems as something they want to kind of keep intact or keep that general sure. same feel. So we, yep. we talked about form-based zoning. Yep. Um, you know, quick example, I used to live in Rocky River, Ohio, which is a suburb right outside of Cleveland uh, before I moved back here. And a lot of the homes in there were Tudor style. Yep. So uh, when I would attend ARB meetings, you know, I can remember uh, sitting there and somebody wanted to put a, a very small, you know, addition on the back of their house, just like a, a den sure. or something like that. And, you know, you've got a board. This was a board of architects. I mean, I want to say there were like three or four of them on there. This person had had an architect design the addition, right? Um, and it's kind of like critique session. You know, they're, they're sitting there. Uh, saying, well, you know, I don't know if that exactly looks, you know, like this or how it blends into the the natural environment, you know, and they're almost talking amongst themselves. Right. And then they will ask the person, you know, questions, what their intent is. Yeah. But this was an addition that wasn't seen from the road. Wow. There was a, it, the backyard backed up to another backyard. Okay. So it couldn't be visible to any passerby only visible to the neighbors. So that's kind of like, you want to talk about nth wow. degree, it, it goes yeah. to that to that level if you get an ARB involved, which I'm here to tell you, I think I've said on a couple episodes, there are a bunch of positives and there are some some negatives when you just want to build something, Yeah. right? Like, oh, I just want to, I just want to get this done. You know, I don't want anybody to tell me what to do. And at the same time, I'm sitting there as someone who has watched people over time build things without sure. an architect. Yeah. Somebody that, that pays attention. You can see it all the time. You know, we're, we're in the kind of Victorian area of style homes here in Marietta and you can drive by all of them and they all went and picked up a, a new colonial door from Lowe's and slapped it on the front of the house and it just makes you want to pull your hair out. Yeah. So I feel, those, I feel offended now. Yeah. <laughs> so those are the, those are the kind of things that you can get into, you know, with an ARB clear down to that level. If you were going to replace your front door, that's a great example Yeah. that they're going to tell you that no, that that's not the style you should pick maybe from here. Yeah. These, this time period. This so style. with that, with that rear improvement scrutiny, was it, is it your opinion that that worked against the popular opinion of the ARB or like what it was for. I mean, were people questioning us? I find that so interesting because I think common sense tells us that like if it's in the backyard and you can't see it from the road and 
a passerby who knows nothing about our neighborhood would not see this back edition and yeah. mm -hmm. know that it was outside of the standards that our uh, community conforms to. That's that's just so interesting. So did that work against like the perspective of the ARB? Do you have a sense? I I don't think it worked against them. I, I don't think people liked it. I think they're, everybody's going to come at it from the same logical thought progression, right? What's yeah. in the backyard? You know, what's going to matter? You know? But you know, just strictly, I'm, for those who don't know, I am a structural engineer. That's my job. Architects make it look pretty. I make it not fall down. But there, there are things in our code, okay, when we, when we design a building, you know, if a building is sitting next to another building, right, technically it's only, let's say, only three faces of the building are able to be impacted by wind or something sure. like that, right? We're not just allowed to only design for those three faces. We have to go ahead and design for all four because we don't know what's going to happen in the future. If somebody comes right. along and tears the building down that's adjacent to it, right? Well, now that that side is loaded and it was never designed for that. So you can't take, you know, current conditions into account. You got to always just assume that this thing is a box, and right. unless you're backed up to maybe say a, a national land preservation or something like that, that's you know federal land that's never going to be moved. But even then, um, you, hey, you probably won't have an ARB if you if you've got that. Um, but and if you did, they they would still probably say something. And certainly, engineering wise, you would want to design for something like that. But well, and I think two people they don't w with regards to the front door, people don't have patience anymore. You know, oh no! It's, even even if they know they live it in is that district, completely scratching things off a to do list. We we do that in my house all the time. We got a baby coming in October, and like it's it's nesting. We're in nesting mode, mm -hmm. and you know it's all these to do items that are just coming up. And if you're not careful, I mean you want to get them done, but if you're not careful, you'll just scratch the things off. Like yep, check 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 check, and you don't make any good decisions. You just yeah make a decision to get it done and you're to your point i i just need a new front door this one's drafty yeah you know i'm just trying to live in this house i'm not trying to preserve this house yeah and that's a that's a completely yeah different mindset yeah that's a great point but i think that even gets to your question of just how people perceive it if they're going to perceive something so if it's going to be ridiculed i guess on some little thing that they do they're going to backlash. I mean, they're just going to absolutely tear it apart because they aren't going to want to roll through that red tape just to do something in their eyes. So simple and something that they just, again, they probably bought the house for the wrong reasons if they don't want to preserve it. Sure. And they live in a district that they don't you know, mm -hmm. want to help preserve either. But it's interesting. I don't know much about the area that Jared is speaking about particularly, but, but to think that they care so much about history that they're even willing to regulate backyards and rear yeah. structures i would think of all places a place like our community that values history air quote mm. really highly would kind of be in line with that I'm, so it's yeah. kind of it's interesting yeah. that a community that has based itself in history i would argue has relatively little to no regulation in place around preserving that history right some place like you're describing which is probably doesn't have near the like on the book historical value and record mm. is willing to go all the way down the line yeah. <laughs> with that preservation. It's just very interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I think there's two, two forces at play there. One being um, the nature of the people that are there. I mean, Rocky River, I think they got about like 19,000 people or something like that. And Marietta is, you know, 13,000. But they're also literally a 
15 minute drive from downtown Cleveland. Right. So you are, if you can kind of envision the, the, the mindset of the people who are there, it's also an extremely affluent area. Right. Um, so everybody who was doing addition was getting a professional, you know, to help them out with it. Um, and they didn't have to, to handle that on their own here. We have people building their own houses. True. Right. Yeah. And quite frankly, and to some of them, it's been a lifelong dream to build their own house. They've been thinking about how they want to design this, you know, since you know, they were they were little. Yeah. Uh, that piece of property, that's that's grandpa's land. You know, I'm going to get five acres. He's going to give me that. And, you know, I'm going to be I'm going to put my house right there. I'm going to raise my family right there. That's a. Compl- if somebody comes in and says, yeah, no, you you can't build that house the way it looks. It does not blend into the neighborhood. You need to have, if you're going to build here, it's going to be, you know, something that would have, you know, been in the area using brick tones that would have been in the area or natural stone because a lot of the, the stone here was excavated here locally. Yep. Yeah. Um, and you start telling people that, I mean, it is a different, you get out of my business. Sure. Yeah. Government. You don't, sure. you don't tell me what to do. Whereas, in a major metropolitan area, the mindset is a little bit different. It's like, okay, I get it. Yes, I'll, I'll comply, you know. And I had it best explained to me, I think, by there was a, an HOA board um, that was in that. And the HOA was, I don't even know why they did it. It was $100 a year. Like, it it was Ooh. basically just, like, <laughs> to keep the club going because that's, sure. it was the first community <laughs> on the west side of Cleveland. And um, she she kind of told it to me she's like well you're you know right now that's the perry house but you're just borrowing it cold yeah you know like <laughs> you're cold you're here and maybe you'll be here for, for 30 years but you're just you're just borrowing a portion of our community for the portion of time that you are here and I we want it that. to be here for future families you know to enjoy yeah and i, I that that's wow. when it kind of clicked for me yeah man i love that I feel like I just had that moment just of how to better explain to people again, back to what I said at the very beginning of this episode of just how this protects buildings, homes, you know, they, it puts you out of the equation mm-hmm. every time. Yeah. Well, that's interesting. Cause I think communities like ours, I envision people wanting to live in our communities because we don't have HOAs and we don't mm-hmm. have all those things. And that's part of, for some folks, I think that's part of the attraction is to, be free of that stuff. Um, but at the same time, as I said earlier, we, I think we place such a high intrinsic value on history that it's astounding to me that we're just relying on the, the better angels and the good spirits of our neighbors and colleagues to do the right thing for history Mm -hmm. without any real strong legal framework through which to do that. So it's, it's, I don't know, Jared, that's like super interesting. Mm -hmm. It's, it's a risk when you when you just ask for people to just do it without having any type of it is force behind it. And that makes what I think that makes what we have and the fact that we still have it in the way we have it even more amazing. I mean, to me it's a borderline miracle. I think we said this on yeah. an earlier episode. It's like yeah. Yeah. there's nothing stopping from somebody from coming down here buying one of these places and tearing it down and building a fast food restaurant of any type and franchise. Name your favorite, Jared. Mm-hmm. So the fact that that has never happened is is in my opinion just a miracle. So timely that we're talking about this and well it, i want to get i don't want to interrupt you i want to no. keep this going we, are, we already did yeah. <laughs> i want to i want to kind of go over the ordinances yeah, yeah um basically the enabling 
ordinances, if you can kind of run through, you know, title, statement, purpose. I think we're actually, when we start talking about that, we're going to start diving into that yeah. and, and a little bit more of the historical context because, you know, I certainly have sitting on the historical board here, which is kind of basically the only semblance of an ARB, yeah. you know, that we have. Yeah. And it's just for a very small district, you know, we get some questions a lot of times and I want to bring that up because ARB is going to revolve a lot around subjectivity. That's another thing people don't like. Yeah. People love hard and fast rules, fair and equitable law for, for everyone. And when you bring in an ARB, there's subjectivity into it. This, I'm sorry that you've, because 100%. when you drive by a house and it's a mixture of styles, I've heard this said before. I've been told that my house is century Gothic or is it century Gothic? I think that's what it is. Right. And it's like, that's a made up term. My house <laughs> is an 1850-ish colonial. And then somebody came in at the end of the Victorian era and put a porch on it. Right. Like, that's what it is. You can make up a brand new name for it, but that's what it is. And so if somebody were to say, oh, no, there are plenty of examples of X, Y, Z, and yeah. da, 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 da. And it's like, yeah, but when, when does, I, I won't go into it now. Yeah. yeah. But. Yeah. Go ahead and run through this, and then we can dive into historical stuff. Well, I think basically what we're getting to is what defines a really good um, ordinance. Um, and it's going to declare public policy. It's going to explain why the review board is established. It's going to state how many members are on the board, how they're appointed, the, what their responsibilities are. It includes the criteria and procedures um, for uh, designation of historical districts and individual landmarks. Which ours is a C4 here in Marietta. And how big is a C4? Just roughly to give people an idea, acreage. Oh, man. It's about, it's a little, right around 150 acres. Right around 150. Yes. Okay. And I, th I think we have other districts too. I don't, I'm, in my time at Main Street, we had to deal with, with, with signage where we talked about wayfinding with Christy. Okay. It, I had a councilwoman, they had a historical district that went even further um, past what our C4 is. So okay. I don't know what Marietta, Brett's going to pull it up. Yeah. I don't we, know if we, they, yeah, they even know. We got the interwebs. Yeah. yeah. There, there, we do have historical district and it's, it's, there's multiple areas that are not exactly contiguous as my memory serves, which I'm going to find out, remind myself in a second, but, um, but, and it's also not exactly C4. It, it's kind of not that either, yeah. which makes it even more fun hmm. Yeah, for trying to understand. Yes. But I think to, um, just on that point of how to, how to proceed, Procedurally des uh, designate historical districts or even landmarks is something that we could already ha be doing here in the city of Marietta. Um, but obviously one's going to, it's going to state the procedure for review of those said properties um, as well as demolition and new construction in, in the historical area. So it's going to obviously look at new tear down and any modification or rehab. Um, and it's going to stipulate, you know, the penalties and the, appeal process as well because just like anything yeah and that's be good able to appeal it yeah because when you have so much subjectivity you need a means to kind of go back and uh, is that the appeal process here or not here obviously but is that generally what you're going back to like the planning commission maybe or something so when i was at the city of parkersburg that went to the board of zoning appeals if the okay. arb um because ARB was always the first step. If they shot you down, your next step was to go the BZA. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Gotcha. So it, but again, even to the subjectivity of it, you know, when, 
it's everybody's going to have their different case of why they can't do something or what was done before that is going to limit them to do anything. You know, and a good example is a good example really is like slate roofs. No one's going to go back to, you know, put a new slate roof on. So they're looking at shingles or asphalt singles. And now it gets down to look color. You know, do they want to do, is it going to look similar to slate? Even metal roofs now have designs to them that kind of look, either like slate or in the pattern of slate mm -hmm. or the pattern of clay tiles. So, you know, you're going to hear those questions throughout the review process and the board's going to have to, yeah. you know, slate make a decision. Yeah, was a great example. Um, on the historical board, we had a um, citizen come in. They had a, it, it was a, it was technically an organization, um, but they had a building that had a slate roof on it and they wanted to to convert it to shingles you know and they just they were very logical yeah they said look it cost me a lot of money to maintain this shingle roof yeah um and right now we've got i don't know like four or five places that you know that we're gonna have to replace we'd like to put a shingle roof on and i think everybody on the board was kind of you know in agreement yeah and where it left off was you know i i just simply asked the question because i like where we can to take subjectivity out of it mm -hmm. and i'd much rather err on a mathematical formula that says if x you know square of your roof is deteriorated you know from a shingle roof yeah. um you know then and it cost you you know a certain percentage more there's already provisions like that in the historical um application that you would have to fill out if you're in our district yeah yeah, just make it make it easy for people so that they can sit there and do that stuff before they come and sit. And it takes the subjectivity yeah. out of out of the hands of, quite frankly, a board that that turns over year after year. Yeah, you know, or every couple of years. Um, so and your subjectivity changes. What was what your neighbor got done? You might not be able to get done if you do it three or four years later, because it's all about the subjectivity of the people on the board at that time, especially a small town where they may know you a little bit to know, maybe that you have the means to do, you know, really what down deep they want you to do. You know, mm -hmm. I, I know I, I know I can push them right. a little bit or push her a little bit to, to spend the money and do it. You know, and that's unfortunate because that, that parts, that's yeah. part of the that's equation. Also, that, that's also, you know, not fair and equitable treatment no. under the law. No. Yep. Um, what about minimum, maintenance uh you know for for places inside of you know the designation of an arb um is there any sort of i'm assuming there can be an ordinance that would require somebody who has a certain home to main maintain outside of what say a normal municipality might have it, especially if it's a historical home um a lot of times i think too i think they're yeah they do i don't know the severity of what they so a separate ordinance in your city could be like your how you, your lawn, you know, if you have, mm -hmm. if you actually have. Um, I was thinking more like fascia boards up around the the eave yeah. of a home, things like that. So a lot of times, you know, those in historic homes, they're wood, they're painted, yeah. they get damaged a lot. Um, is there any sort of, hey, but again, I guess not in Marietta, obviously we're a complaint yeah. basis, but yeah. if somebody's out there looking for it, I didn't know if you hadn't. 
any experience with that? I, I don't personally. Know. Okay. Yeah. Does some of that stuff fall into the exterior property maintenance guidelines that communities would have? Maybe yeah. more generally than historic, but maybe that's wrapped up into exterior property maintenance code and those types of items. I think that's probably where it falls for most communities that don't have the underlying historical yeah. perspective. Yeah, because I think if you buy a house that's on the registrar, like at that point, you you accept risk before you buy. Hey, this you're not going to be coming in here and painting this house hot pink. Sure. Yeah. Like your your options are limited as owning it. Like it's a piece of history. You're not going to come in and blow out walls on the inside and whatever. It's going to be chopped up like it was, you know, in 1840, et cetera. You're not going to be rewiring a whole bunch of stuff. You're not going to be, you know, I don't renovating I don't, kitchens. I don't think you have. I don't. If you just own a home on the historical place or uh, th- that register, I don't think there's any. I think you still have free and clear to do whatever you want. Really? Yeah. If hmm. it's listed on the National Historic Register and you do remod- modifications, there are there are guidelines. If okay. it's listed on the National Register specifically, like if the Perry House right. was on the National Register, there are things you yeah. have to comply with. That okay. most people don't fall into that category. I mean, there are historic properties. I mean, you can Google and see the individual properties. Yeah, if you've got a plaque, that's correct. really what I was yeah. getting at. Yeah. Okay. If you've if you got a plaque or, you know, we've yeah. got signs out in, some, in front of some of the houses in ours, you can't just willy-nilly go in and make changes. It's Somebody is reviewing it, probably a federal um, architect like, somewhere. Is that complaint-based, though? If you don't have a local ordinance that would... I think it's federal. Pre- I think if you buy it and it's on the well, register, I well, don't know this for sure. So no, I meant I meant like fact in, check that, I meant in terms of comp- complaint base. I mean, how 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 are they going to know? You shouldn't, but how would the federal government know that you're going to rewire your house um, and it's on the and it's on the register? Well, what you hit on there is the or key question. Think maybe saying. when you sell it. Yeah. I mean, there's always a disclosure statement, but okay. I don't know. So it's yeah. well, the key question that you're raising, Sam, is. Somebody who really cares about it will do it right. True. You know what I'm saying? Like we're saying earlier. So somebody who really cares will do it. Somebody who is borrowing the house from the community for a period of time and is checking off their list, they will do whatever they need to do. So here's the the description of the Historic District of Marietta, and we'll put a link to the map in the show notes. But um, I won't say all the street names because to most listeners that won't matter. But what I will tell you is this. Uh, The the district itself has uh, encompasses over 900 acres and includes about 2,000 properties. Hmm. And we'll put a link to the map in the show notes so folks can see what it looks like. Oh, wow. Yeah. And now the historical board, we're only, we're only over the C4 district. Sure. So there are other historical parts of Merida, but we only have uh, what authority, if you will, yeah. in the C4, which is a, a commercial district. Yeah. Um, can you talk maybe a little bit about uh, certified local governments and and why why they're relevant to this this conversation? Yeah, certified local governments, at least by the state of Ohio uh, Historical Preservation Office or SHPO. So there are certified local governments out there that are allowed, to, or I guess I should say, are qualified uh, for grant funding. Um, that has been given to states from the federal side each year. So I know in Ohio, it's typically like 10% of the historical preservation funds that the state receives is set aside uh, for these governments, and it's roughly 
almost $100,000 probably a year. To identify, um, you know, historical resources, either through surveys, um, nominate eligible properties uh, to the uh, National Register of Historical Places, um, further communication um, uh, on education of historical preservation, um, preserve and rehab actual historical properties. So, you know, it's a nice incentive, and one of them is having this uh, an ordinance. Um, it's, it's obviously too, to have a program. And I think the board that you sit on is a good example of what could be done outside of the ordinance aspect of this, that is actively trying to, you know, put places on the, on the list or to put a stake in actually properties that need to be rehabbed a little bit through, through maybe outside projects with developers or, you know, public yeah, private so they could come alongside a building owner or property owner and say, Hey, we've got this funding. And I'm sure it's no yeah. different than when Main Street does. They do some like facade um, sure. repair grants or whatever, and you apply. You yeah. Know, maybe sometimes it's like I think like they did three thousand dollars for painting or something yeah. like that. Yeah. Very similar process. Yeah. For that. Which they use the, the interiors uh, standards for for those guidelines of that grant application. So. Well, like Sam is saying, this is your you know being a certified local government, right? That's your first step in accessing these resources, the technical assistance, the other support that you would need to really successfully implement um, architectural review, historic preservation, those types of things. So you're not yeah. out there on your own True. doing it just by yourself. Yep. And there are 77 cities in the state of Ohio that are certified local governments. I do know that. Is we, are, we are not one. Mary does not. We are not one. How many cities total are there in Ohio, just for reference? 200. I want to say it's like 230 or somewhere in there. Why would you why would you have what's the advantage to being a certified local government? Because here's I guess my first hot take. Hot takes with Jared. Hot Here we thing. go. When you have federal assistance or even state assistance or local assistance whatever through any type of real estate improvement somebody else is telling what you can and cannot do with that money and it it typically takes much much longer we had the opportunity to do that with the building we're sitting in right now mm -hmm. i opted not to do that even though technically i could have probably gotten almost 80 percent of this project paid for mm -hmm. through taxpayer dollars i don't know that the project would even be done yet and we've been in here working <laughs> you know this building has been providing you know, place for entrepreneurs to, to grow their businesses for two years now. Um, and I don't think, I don't think we were done. People's bank theater is a great example of that yeah. here locally. Um, so I think you got to fall into two categories. If you want to have something like this one, I think you've got to be someone who doesn't have a lot of, doesn't have the money, quite frankly, to do it. Maybe you've got 20% of the money. True. And because of that, you don't care how long it takes mm -hmm. because it's really somebody else's nickel. Um, or hot, 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 hot. or you, you've got to have a bleeding heart for preservation. I, I think that's the really the only two categories that, that you could fall into of why you would want, if you are developing real estate or mm -hmm. you know, buying a historical home or whatever, 
that's really the only reason you would you would do that. You you got to yeah. say I have a passion for for making this what it was, you know, or bringing it back to life. Yeah. You know, or you know, I I don't have the capital to to do this. Bank's not going to loan me the money, but if I go through this grant program, I'm going to get 80% of it paid on, you know, through taxpayer dollars. Yeah. And so by that means I can afford the renovation. And there are excellent examples of that done, People's Bank Theater being being one of them. Um but you know, we we didn't we I look at it a little differently. I want to breathe and I think this is probably from you know, designing you know, homes and buildings right. for, for people for years and years and years. Yeah. When you look at old homes I, there's a there's a house here locally. Uh, it's on Millgate. I don't know if you guys mm. know the one I'm talking about. The big, it's a huge Tudor. It was a, a summer home for the Mills family uh, back in the day. But that home was built with modern conveniences in 1940. Like yes. whatever you can get your hands on mm. at that time. You know, it had a, yes. a, a garage like an attached garage and that thing is made out of two foot thick concrete walls or maybe it's a foot thick i don't want to get crazy because guess what cars used to catch on fire back in the day just (laughs) randomly Hmm, i'm on fire (laughs) you don't want to burn the house down glad we're past that now uh stan hewitt (laughs) hall is another example a half of the exterior landscape is out of stone and half of it is out of concrete because that was a modern technology at the time and the husband and the wife couldn't agree and so there's a there's a clear line if you're if you ever visit it um of of where the two materials you know diverge yeah and uh, so w- i've seen it just people didn't build things what we call historical they didn't build them to be historical yeah. they wanted the modern conveniences right. of everyday life because they were living in those homes yes so well, i guess this is bleeding into a giant hot take but when I sit on the historical board and people come in, I typically don't want to get in their way as long as they're bringing something that is his, historical in some way. Yeah. Because what's your point of history? Is it the 70s? Right. Is it yeah. the 50s? Is it the 30s? 10? Is it 1800s? Like, where where does this... That's the biggest s- challenge I think you're going to have with and that's subject- ARVs. It's and that's subjective. Subjective, because you're kind of hitting on points to where you have people like yourself who bought the building but wanted the, the, the facade to look like it used to look. Yeah, I, so, I do. And, I want you people know, you, to drive by and just go, oh, that looks nice, yeah. and and not think that it's actually different than what it, it had been for, I don't know, 60 years. I, I think Anton's Flowers were the ones that put um, – it wasn't marble. It was some other material, but it looked like that. People always sure. thought it was yeah. on the outside facade. But we found an old picture when we did yeah. um, the uh, genealogy research for for the building, and we're like, "Yeah, that's yeah. that's where we want to be." But we did it with all new materials, right? Yeah. We did it with aluminum, not wood. I mean, things like that, and it just kind of azac and, instead of of wood, you know, for the trim. Yeah. So, but but the benefit I think of having some of these boards are moving forward is that if you're proactive enough to work alongside people to to get something accomplished like that you know i'm trying to best try to think about this in a way that makes sense you know you either are going to have people who don't want to do anything 
But if you're cultivating that culture in your historical district, like we'll work with you. We understand modern times are, are present, right? That there's things that you can't do uh, that we maybe want you to do, but realistically understand that you can't do it. That's where the benefit, I think, of a lot of these, at least preservation-wise, that you can do um, is is working alongside people. Because to your point, you're going to have ones that are very mixed with new and new and old. And I don't. You're going to have someone who doesn't want to do anything. They just they're just they're here for the the ride. So well, it, it's, and and I'll and I'll devil's advocate for you, Sam, on that. And and Jared, I'd love to get your take on this because I think there are people out there that would think architectural review boards and historical standards that's just a fancy way to gatekeep people out of mm. starting businesses or owning properties because it's expensive to do all the things you're talking about mm -hmm. right mm -hmm. and so there are some people that would argue by having these all these regulations you're preventing people who might otherwise want to be in business or own properties mm -hmm. from doing that um, I'm not saying that's true I'm just saying that I could easily see how a citizen could could think that because well, it's just another way to keep us out of owning a business or improving a building or owning a building. Maybe that's my dream and I can't do it mm -hmm. to the standard of that. So, I mean, do you have any, well, we're on the hot takes, Yeah. yeah. any hot takes mm -hmm. on that? I mean, cause I could see that opposition getting just locked right there. And that's, I think that's a legit concern. So yeah. oh boy, there's so many counter arguments to the, that's preventing me to do business. Yep. The federal government and our state government and quite frankly our local government do enough to prevent people to, to start a business and make them not want to do it. Just pick your poison for taxes or regulations or, you know, uh, HR. Just there's a lot. Sure. There's a lot of hoops to jump through. So I would, I would honestly, I would dismiss the argument from that. Uh, just because I would lay out a laundry list of things you've got to do anyway, and you've already accepted that most those of those. Are, yeah, you've yeah. already accepted that risk and responsibility to be a business owner. Uh, from the residential side, I would, what I would say, and I would almost tend to agree a little, um, because this was actually my other my other hot take mm -hmm. is that I don't because there's so much subjectivity in what what era a building might be in or a home that you want to take it back to. The word is not necessarily historic in my mind. I don't, yeah. that's not what people want. I agree. People don't right now want to walk through Marietta as if it was 1900. You ever yeah. seen a, a picture of downtown Marietta in 1900? <laughs> it's not the vision of what people have that they want for downtown main streets in sure. America. Yeah. I agree. I it was all industrial, all of it. I definitely love the word preservation more so than the word historic. I, I would, I, I think, the word people want that should come out of their mouths is charming. I have said Marietta. Its number one asset is that it is a charming town. Yeah. When you see these neighborhoods that have these homes that you know have been maintained and these things, they don't have to be of the same style or era. You know, they're, they're going to, you know, go back and forth, but they're whimsical. They're, they're sure. charming. Mm -hmm. That's really what, what gets people like, man, I want to live here. That's, yeah. I want to be downtown. Not, you know, when you see pictures of historic Marietta, I mean, it was a, it was a rat race. There was signs, mm -hmm. perpendicular signs, which you're not allowed to do anymore in Marietta, giant mm -hmm. flashing, 
you know, signs. We talked about, you know, electronic billboards have made yeah. some weird 90s comeback, yeah. you know, to Marietta right now. Um, but popping up those those things were, were there in the past. They are technically historic. You're just, you're, what you're doing is you're taking bits and pieces and parts of history that you right. enjoy the most. And you're saying, yeah, I want that. And yeah. that is not historic. You're saying, I want it to be charming. So if that's where I think an ARB is more suitable than say a historical preservation board. The only reason we have one is because we flood. Yeah. And it is, you know, right, wrong, or indifferent if you're going to renovate something in the floodplain, you're going to, in order to get flood insurance, you're going to have to do it, make sure it looks historical. Yeah. And you can't, there's no skirting around that. I've done projects in my day job in communities that were flood recovery projects, Jared, where, and I can think of one in particular here in Southeastern Ohio, where there was a parking area that had a flood wall, but the flood wall was like historic masonry and stonework. And so when it came time to uh, remediate that after the flood, the Historical Preservation Society had to come in and approve the tuck work, the point work, the mm -hmm. mortar that was in there because it had to be consistent with the materials that were there. I think part of it was for because modern materials don't mix well with those old materials, so there's other detrimental things happening. But yeah. I just thought it was so interesting because they were like, no, this is the mortar right here that we're going to use, and your tuck pointing process will be like this. Yep. And it was just fascinating to see that. And so, and when it's done, it looks like it's cohesive. Sure. Every single person listening to this podcast right now has seen the opposite of what Brett is talking about right now. You drive by a brick home that's maybe 50 years old and you'll see like one area, maybe in the corner of the house or near the chimney where somebody, you know, the, the mortar has cracked, you know, over time and somebody went in and replaced it mm -hmm. and they didn't use the same mortar collar <laughs> at all. And it just sticks out like a sore thumb. You can tell exactly where the crack was. Right. Because they used this, uh, it just drives me to cement gray hmm. mortar when everything else is a, you know, a sandstone or a river sand type, type color. And it's like, you just, but you get that in a tube yeah. from Lowe's and your list yeah, is done. You know? <laughs> so this, so this is all begging this question to me and Sam, you're the editor, so you can decide to keep this or not. Cause <laughs> I'm going to put Jared on the spot because no uh, this is so interesting. <laughs> so, so I'm thinking about your comments earlier. So, in a, and this building, I think, is such an interesting topic. When you were doing this project, how much of that historical measure was on your mind? How much of that was mm -hmm. really intentional? Because I'll just describe it. For the listeners that are listening, obviously, you can't see what I see. And maybe we could put a picture in the share notes. But just go to inkswell.com, I-N-C-S-W-E-L-L.com. And there's there's photographs. So there. so yeah. we're in this building. It's 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 beautiful, wide open spaces, exposed brick walls, you know, high windows, tin stamp, you know, ceilings. 16 or, foot ceilings. Right. Yeah. And so it, it it all has the appearance of historic. And so I'm just curious, as you're as you're facing this project as an investor, how much of that is on your mind and how much of that is intentional? So there was a lot from the outside. Um, and from the inside, you're staring at brick walls. These were covered in plaster, Jack. It was historic to have plaster here. Sure. Um, and if I would have took historical dollars, you'd be staring at plaster walls. Yeah. And somebody probably from Columbus or somewhere else uh, that has a skill set to, to renovate 1875 plaster right. would have been there. What a vocation. Yeah. yeah. 
Is horse hair still available to mix into the plastic? <laughs> I don't see it at Lowe's yeah. or your favorite shopping but, department store. You yeah. know, no. the, uh, <laughs> I don't. the front windows are the original windows. Um, egress is different. I mean, we... We had to do what we had to do to comply with modern day code. Yes. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, I didn't want to put a fire escape on the front. I think we've talked about that in another yes. episode. So we definitely talked about it off mic a lot. Yeah. yeah. So the use of the building also came into play. I wasn't going to do that to downtown. Um, so I, therefore we couldn't have residential up above. Uh, so we kept it, you know, office space. This trim work that you see on these windows here, that was not there. It was a very basic trim work, but those windows over there, that is original. So we had the carpenters, and that's very ornate. Mm -hmm. So we had the carpenters recreate that over here on these three windows. Sure. Um, The ceiling, the ceiling is actually, it looks like a tin ceiling, but it's PVC. It's also 16 feet in the air. So you, you get the luxury of it, you know, you can't really it's it's okay. what uh the artist will call suspension of disbelief yeah. you look up there you you know you see everything else is old you just assume it's tin but yeah. you know in 1875 they didn't have these things called cell phones yeah. and yeah. tin ceilings <laughs> they don't give a rip about your cell phone yeah. signal okay yeah. <laughs> so again modern day yeah um conveniences but it it took some doing like those strips that are in between we bought the you know, the, the PVC strips that have the lookalike nail heads in them. And again, they're f- far enough out of the way that you don't see them. Um, this, this, these are heart, heart pine floors underneath this carpet tile. It pained me to put carpet tile over these. But yeah, could you imagine, Sam, being down on the second floor of the mm-hmm. building when some people are walking around up here on hardwood floors? Yeah. How that would sound? That'd be... Like, you couldn't have the use that this building was going to have in order to do that. Yeah. Um, you know, our, for a lot, I, I, I still go back and forth about the front windows because our conference rooms for the building are in the front of the building and we're in, Hey, look, we're in Southeastern Ohio. People like big trucks and no mufflers. <laughs> and sometimes you are in there and it's just, it's so, so loud for so long. There's a stoplight out there. That is the most truest thing we probably said in this whole episode. <laughs> oh my! Uh, they they get all three gears, you know, until they get to the next stoplight, and it's you just got to stop talking. Yeah. So it was done. So what you did with some attention, I think, is what we're oh, a hundred percent. So and I think the result you want to respect history, delivers on but that. I'm not going to be I'm not going to be chained to it. Um, but because I'm serving people today, yeah. sure, you know, and a collaborative workspace inside of a place like this second floor this used to be a, a wood shop so the first floor <clears throat> was where they actually they stored their materials the second floor is where um or their showroom excuse me the second floor was the woodworking area so we actually tore out an exhaust fan um on the second floor that would pull all of the air sawdust and all out the front window onto front street this thing was i couldn't wrap my arms around it It was huge right rain and sawdust but yeah exactly what's historical well what's historical is if you were walking down 
Front Street in 1920, you're going to be covered, your wool suit is going to be covered in sawdust Fresh if you walk coating. by this building because people were working in here. Yeah. So it's just, it's a different mindset. And again, I don't think people want, I mean, we, we've got conversations going on about the the port over here, the the Army the Corps. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, yes. Uh, port that people are like, man, that's the that's the most prime piece of real estate we have. It's so it's also historical. Sure, it's been there forever. Yeah, yeah. And we want it out of there. Why? Because it's not charming. I yeah, can't utilize it. I can't walk and sit along the river and. You know, there can't be a restaurant right there or businesses or offices, you know, or yeah. residences. So what well, I think getting away from the historical wording of things in this in, in this part of the, the discussion, I think to your point, Brad, maybe the question you're trying to ask is, you know, I you said it earlier when p- people are trying to open a business and they already kind of understand the risks, both local, state and federal, or at least r- r- limitations they might have. Sure. You also realize if you buy property in a historical district or in a district that is charming like downtown Marietta, there's there are some implications there too that you know you are going to want to try to do something that's a little bit you know similar to the area so you know for him he wanted to do that but there's nothing stopping anybody from just who didn't want to do that this was so i think these ordinance kind of help again protect the charming aspect of it and the question really is is to what severity do you allow that to happen or not happen? So sure. are you going to be very restrictive and you're really going to force people not to do it because they're not going to want to spend the time like Jared had mentioned in his particular case, or they are going to go into it, you know, wanting to make this because I think really what studies have shown is that, you know, districts, they, they do hold higher property value. They have less property decline. They're more walkable. They have a great sense of a community. So by helping to keep that charm mm-hmm. in whatever manner you choose to do so in your ARB or any ordinance is going to go a long way to keep that sense of community. And I think that's really the, the question or the point I think I would want listeners to have is that, you know, this is an avenue to help keep because we're, we're people across the nation listening, you know, are, are in small towns. They have probably charm throughout that they would love to have protected. And it's just one measure for them to be able yeah, to keep and, that. And I think that's the answer for me, Sam. And I think that's probably the best way to sum up the whole topic for me is I choose, I just personally not to choose to look at it as a set of restrictions mm-hmm. with which I must comply. I like to think about it as the tools that are in place to assist us in keeping the things we care about the way we like them to be. Mm-hmm. And so I, I think of it more as a tool set and, yeah. and guidance that's trying to help you. Now, obviously, part of that help is like, don't go off the rails, right? Don't go all the way off. Yeah. So yeah. I think if we could get, if we could get, move the conversation just in our communities around the assistance part and the guidance part to help preserve all the best things that we love and care about, that's probably the best way to move the topic forward. Because you can even, we can even say about Marietta, although we've gone, we've done a very good job and where we're at, we've still lost a lot of things sure so you know looking at this where that your example of that lady who said you know we're just you're just i'm just living here Mary, you know Marriott is old way older than me it's going to be there way after me and that's just the best i think perspective to look is how do you keep some of that alive agreed yep. well i think that's going to do it 
you know, for this episode, I do want to, do you have any examples of, you know, an ARB uh, community out there that perhaps people can go look at? Yeah. If not, you know, check out Rocky River, Ohio. I have not been to their website. I don't know, you know, how much information they they have for people. Um, But that was, I, I will say that was a community that, that did it right. Yeah. Dublin, Ohio. Dublin, Ohio. Shout out to Dublin. Good, yeah. good example there. Okay. I think people around here could definitely, if they haven't been to the Juliana Historical District in yes. Parker, mm, yeah. West Virginia, would be a good one. I mean, that in terms of just pure, raw, historical neighborhood of historical homes, it's 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 a great, and a community that really cares about their homes too. That's a, They do walks and tours of all their homes, or at least people who want to participate. That's a good one to check out too, just on a, on a residential basis example. That does a good job. Okay. Any final uh, final thoughts? I'm going to update one of my favorite stats I think okay. I mentioned on the previous episode. Yes. yes. Uh, Marietta is now the 136th largest city in Ohio. For those Ooh, wondering. Ah, so, okay. Just so you know. We're moving on up. <laughs> Actually, we're moving down. We, moving were, 100, down. we yeah, were 127 we were. before. Okay. Now <laughs> we're 136. Right. Moving on down. Yeah, but the census. I'm anxious to see where the census actually puts us. Uh, I think there's been a big push here locally. Yeah. Um, so if you haven't filled that out yes. and you're listening locally, get yes. it done. Please do it. Absolutely. It is not hard. No. It took me two seconds. Yep. Um, all right. So I think that's going to do it uh, for today's show. If you'd like to um, uh, check out more stuff that we have, I know we are going to put some things in the show notes. Yeah. So be sure to, to check those out. Um, if you have not given us... Uh, a review yet on uh, I don't know, Apple Podcasts or Spotify, you know, please do. We appreciate uh, you know, five-star reviews. That helps, you know, those things kind of get propagated in other people's feeds, you know, for recommendations if they are interested in these type of things. And we certainly want to advance that mission. Um, and, you know, if you've got questions, hit us up, support at mytownhustle.com. All right. Thanks. Thank you for listening to My Town Hustle. We would greatly appreciate it if you would share our podcast with someone who you think would benefit greatly from it. But most importantly, subscribe and leave us a rating and review on iTunes, Spotify, or whichever platform you consume your podcasts. It would mean the world to us. Until next time, folks, thanks for listening. We stop dancing and begin